On today's episode of The Blind Spot, we are so excited to speak with Chad Foster. He's an author, public speaker, one of the guys that motivates me. Uh, Greg, I, I gave you a little bit of insights into this guy, but he's uh, he's he's intense. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. I think people are really going to learn a lot from him. This is going to be um, a lot of fun talking with a really neat guy. No question. Uh, downhill skier, blind author, uh, really cool guy. Let, let's, uh, let's get into this. Sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes you don't. I was called in the Friday before Christmas, and I was told they were letting me go. My husband of 22 years came home the day after our daughter's graduation and told me he had only stayed all this time for the kids. Significant life changes can come fast and without warning. It's what you do next that matters. I mean, nothing changes your life more than a diagnosis like that. But eight years later in remission, and honestly, I'm having the best year of my entire career. And then I went home and I collapsed and I cried and I sobbed and I screamed and I wailed. And I'm like, okay, I got to find a job. Not a single door open. Until the day when it happens to you, you should always be asking yourself, what's in your blind spot? Featuring Patrick Lennon and Dr. Greg Sinema. Chad, thank you so much for joining us today on you know, the Blind Spot podcast. The podcast really centers on, and I think it's so perfect for a guy like you, um, you know, overcoming blind spots and how we do that, right? And how we get hit with things, whether it's being fired from a job, whether it's cancer, whether it's losing your vision, whether it's whatever life throws at you, how you deal with that. Um, I came across your story and reached out to you um, because I think your story resonates with millions, right? And it's what you've done in terms of inspire and call out the no excuses and sort of your history. But but thank you for joining us today. And I um, want to also introduce you to Dr. Greg Cedamone, who is uh, my co-host and and um, we'll be digging into hopefully cracking the cracking the shrink uh, uh, <laughs> shell on you as well. <laughs> that's that, and that's how I entered it as a shrink. Huh? That's how that's how you introduced me to this. OK. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. Super smart marketer. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, Chad. So Dr. Greg ex-SWAT team negotiator, author, uh, child psychologist, advertiser, marketer. So all of that is bundled up in one brain. So is there anything he, that he can't do is the question. Those are my well, failings. Those are the things I failed at. <laughs> yeah. Every success comes after a failure, right? Yeah. So how did how did you two meet? I'm, I'm just curious. I, I know you, you kind of sought each other out. You're both obviously got something in common here. I'd just love to hear a little of mm -hmm. the backstory. Yeah, it was a blind chat room. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it was, I heard about, I heard about um, Chad's book. Uh, Chad launched a book, which he could, I'd love to kind of explain to our audience, but Chad launched a book called Blind Ambition, which is a great name. And it's Chad's story. Um, I read it. I listened to it on Audible and I was so blown away by it. But I'm, I thought, shit, another blind guy that's kind of making a difference out there and who has not taken disability and sat on the couch, but figured it out. And so I reached out to him uh, via LinkedIn. He hit me right back and we jumped on a call and uh, we started telling each other our stories. So that's how we got connected. That's interesting. So and knowing you as long as I've known you, Patrick, I, I, I hear the connection, which is I'm not a victim and I won't be a victim. And is exactly. that is that sort of what I'm hearing from both of you guys? Well, that was yeah, definitely something that resonated with me. So I'm not, yeah. You know, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate the kind words that you said. And yeah, I certainly come from a, a no excuses mentality, and I believe that all of us, if we look hard enough, whether or not we go blind, or whether or not you know we've got issues in our family, you know, we can all find legitimate reasons to fail if we want. But at the end of the day, you know, finding a legitimate reason to fail isn't going to service. It's not going to get us any closer to our goals. And if we're all so fortunate, right, we live into our golden years, as I say, 70s or 80s or 90s or pick a number. And we look back, we don't get what we want out of our life. Even if you find a legitimate reason to not get what you want out of your life, are you still going to be happy? Of course not. You're going to be pissed off that, you know, you didn't get what you wanted out of your life. So I don't believe in excuses because I think at the end of the day, it's a short-sighted way, no pun intended, of looking at a situation and saying, all right, let me comfort myself in this moment with this excuse. But at the end of the day, at the end of my life, I'm still going to be unhappy and unfulfilled in my life. And 
And so at, at the end of the day, if we do that, who loses? Well, we do if we make excuses for ourselves. So I just don't really subscribe to that school of thought. Yeah, that's powerful. I want to jump in and ask about your spirituality because, I mean, a lot of what I hear you say either either comes from this really strong um, kind of self-actuated um, you know, individual who's figured it out. And I'm curious, are you spiritual? Is, is that play any role in your life? I believe I'm a spiritual person. Yeah, I wouldn't consider myself, I, I'm, I'm sort of um, nurturing that, that muscle, if you will. I've recently become involved with a coaching program called Integral Coaching. I'm getting certified as an ICF coach, and a lot of that involves combining the different domains of our life, you know, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. And so it's, it's an area that I would say I've got a lot of potential to continue to evolve into, but it, it's an area that I'm, I'm a firm believer of. I don't think any of us are presented obstacles that we can't overcome. I think all of us have the ability to deal with whatever is put in front of us. And I think that for me, the most significant part about any obstacle that lays in front of us is the story we tell ourselves about that obstacle. The stories we tell ourselves can either limit us or they can help us bounce back. And so the meaning we attach to circumstances, in my mind, are far more significant than the facts alone. You know, I could sit around and I could have chosen to tell myself that hey, I went blind because I've got really crummy luck and poor me and I'm a victim. Or I could have alternatively chosen to tell myself that I went blind because I'm one of the very few people on this planet who has the strength and the toughness to overcome that and use it as a platform and a tool to help other people overcome their own obstacles. Now, technically, both of those stories can be true, right? So which one am I going to live by? One of those stories frames me as a victim. But the second story is a Jedi mind trick that transforms my disability into my strength. I went blind because I'm strong enough mentally to deal with it, which means, guess what? I'm also mentally strong enough to deal with all of the other curveballs that life's going to throw at me. So I really mm -hmm. believe we have to be very careful about the stories we choose to tell ourselves because at the end of our lives, every single one of us listening to this recording right now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we will become the stories that we tell ourselves. So good. So good. And I'm just sitting here smiling, Chad, because, you know, you and I obviously have a lot in common, right? You know, going blind is probably the largest, but I think more importantly, it's what we do with that blindness, right? And how we show others, and oftentimes by just showing them that we don't, we don't take the excuse angle, right? We don't say we can't do something because I'm blind. We say, how do we do it? Right? What's the solution? And I think yeah. that's what listeners need to hear, right? Because not everybody goes blind, very few people go blind, but that's not really the thing, right? That's the, that's the thing that at least taught me that I can overcome anything, right? I'm here to yeah. show people that I can get shit done and I can be a great father, a great husband, an amazing entrepreneur, all those things that I do every day um, and I do it with, I do it with pride and I do it with respect and I do it with humor, right? I, I laugh at myself all the time. I have to. You got to, you got to, man. You got to laugh at yourself. None of us are getting out of this thing called life alive. You got to have no a little question. fun along the way. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean? I, I got to tell you every, I, I got stories every, 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 every trip I go on. I was just in New York dropping off my daughter at, at uh, Northeastern, um, got her set up in college and she's an entrepreneur and. Greg's known her since she's been a little baby and just going through that process and uh, just some of the things I did. I mean, she just looks at me and says, dad, keep trying. I go, that's all I know how to do, man. Yeah. That's all Think I know how to do. It's not you in know? the DNA, um, you know, it's just, no. but you're, you know, you hit on something and I just want to foot stomp this point because I think it's really, really important. You and I went blind and we faced other obstacles and I know you've, you've the things that you faced and I've faced other things as well. And that's sort of the common thread that we talk about. But everybody faces something. Not everybody goes blind, but everybody yep. faces something. Thanks. And that mm -hmm. something is significant to somebody, whether it's going blind or family problems or maybe it's money problems or, you know, everybody's got something they're staring at that's just, it's, it's tough to work through. And I don't know how it was for you. I'm sitting here on the other side looking in the rearview mirror going, hey, I figured it out. 
but look, it wasn't like that as I was navigating the initial trauma. It was, it was tough. You know, those days of being in the eye of the storm, you're just trying to get from one day to the next, right? And then you look back and say, oh my God, I ended up here. How did this mm -hmm. happen? How did I get from there to here? And, and what got me through it? And that really is what became the book, Blind Ambition, and, and what I talk about when I go speak to, to audiences. Well, it's gratitude, right? And, it's, and I want Greg to jump in here because I think Greg's seen so much, um, not only in me and what I've overcome but, and had to deal with, but you know, cancer, stem cell transplants, addiction, all the things that I had to kind of smack down um, but at the end of the day, I'm not done, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I got, I'm sure I'm going to have a shit ton more, you know, blind spots. They're going to come up. I might not see them, which is kind of one of the things I was telling Dr. Greg on the, on a call earlier, Chad, he said, that must've been so brutal to drop off your only child at college. I said, well, probably good that I couldn't see it. You know, she was crying with my wife and it's probably good. Um, so I, yeah. I look at the positives, right. In terms of yeah. I didn't see I didn't see the tears. I was crying myself, but I didn't see the yeah. the pain in my wife's eyes. Right, leaving our daughter yeah. in Boston and flying or the back fear in the your, country. your daughter's eyes. Right, no question, or or the joy. I'm not sure if it was fear or joy <laughs> yeah. from my daughter. It's like, thank God, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you, you knew her, you'd like you, at that you, age, you, right? You'd probably go joy. You'd probably go joy if you knew. Yeah, her. I'm guessing but, it probably was. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think gratitude's a huge thing, right? Um, that I want people to hear in this episode is, listen, it's, you got to be grateful for what you have and you got to understand today is today only. Tomorrow's a new day. And I live in the one day at a time philosophy and I took that from getting sober at 18 years old, right? Um, and I live that mantra, right? One day at a time because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know if maybe there's going to come up with a technology that's going to let me see when my daughter gets married. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And we don't know if we're going to be there tomorrow. I think that's why they call 100%. it the present. It's a gift. Yep. You know, it's each moment is a gift. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We have to really appreciate today. And you know, I had, an, had a moment at Leader Dogs for the Blind when I went to get my first guide dog. You talk about gratitude. I had a moment there that changed my life forever. And it was why I strode into campus there at 23 years old. I'm coming in there very much a victim mentality and I'm going in to get my first guide dog and I was bitter and I was angry and I thought it was a bunch of BS that, you know, I, I had to give up everything I loved and had to mourn the death of my imagined future self at 23 years old and had a really crummy attitude. And then I, I come into their campus there to get my first guide dog outside of Detroit, Michigan and Rochester Hills. And then I had a moment there where I'm Meeting people, you know, some of these people, they had mental impairments on top of being blind. Some of them were on dialysis because they had to go to uh, get treatment every week because they, they had diabetes that had robbed them of their eyesight. And then there were these girls there who were deaf and blind. And these, these girls there were getting a guide dog to be independent. Now, for these girls, we had to talk with an interpreter who would sign into their hands. And that was literally the only way that they could communicate. And despite these unimaginable challenges, for me at least. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that. These brave souls, they were getting a guide dog so that they could travel independently. And look, it's one thing when you meet someone on the street and just hear how rough they have it, but when you live with someone for 26 days and you experience what they experience on a day-to-day -day basis, it changes you. You know, that, that moment changed me. It was a real tipping point for me. It helped me understand exactly what you're saying, that... A lot of people think happiness ultimately leads to gratitude. Uh-uh, that's not how it works. Gratitude is what leads to happiness. It's paying attention to the things that we all take for granted. Like, how many of us take for granted the fact that we, we could see or we could hear or we didn't have diabetes or the fact that we were born, for in our case, I'm assuming, right, and most of your listeners, in the greatest country on the planet. It's the most opportunity in a time where a blind guy could actually, you know, get a job in a services-based economy. We could have just as easily have been born in a country with no access to technology or, you know, without the development that we have around us, a services-based economy, all these things are the family that we were born into that could take care of us. And so all of these things, I think all of us just, we're human. So we take it for granted, but I think it's important to remind ourselves of the things that we unfortunately and, and very naturally do take for granted. That's why my house, my family, we do a, a gratitude session every night, every single night, all of us go around and we have to say, 
three unique things that we're thankful for every single day. And I think it's important because I want my kids to develop the muscle memory to get out of the habit of, you know, taking everything for granted because someday, you know, you're going to take things for granted that aren't there. Like in our case, your eyesight. That's powerful. I, I guess, Chad, what I want to, I want you to hear, and, and, and this is of an appreciative note, and I love for the people who are tuning into this to also hear. And I'll come at it from a spirituality perspective, and I respect um, the fact that you're on a path, right? And none of us quite know where, where it's going to lead uh, and that you're open. Um, being a believer and, and echoing what you said about gratitude, I also um, do what I call bookends, which means a, a lot of what I preach in the morning, um, I start my day with prayer and then telling God what I'm grateful for, not what I want, not what would make my day better, um, but what I'm grateful for. And some of those gratitudes are things that maybe you wouldn't normally think you should be grateful for, but a lesson maybe you learned, you know, a, a painful lesson you learned yesterday. And then I end my day with what I'm grateful for. And I call it bookending. And, and what I've, what I think I am figuring out about life, and, I, and, and I'll wait and you and I will talk about this in 10 years and go, ah, I was right, or oh boy, was I wrong. But I think that if you don't see life as a gift, then you run the risk of losing what you have. I believe that um, our life is a gift from God, and if we're not grateful for what we've been given, I'm not saying he takes it away from you, but it's almost like as a parent, if you, if you shower your children with the gifts and they become entitled and they don't care about them anymore and they're ungrateful or they're spoiled, at some point you're going to stop giving them gifts. So, you, right? I mean, you kind of look at it that way. Um, but Or karma, right? I mean, I think, I think there is such a thing as karma, and sometimes as Christians we're at odds with people who go, well, there can't be karma if there's God. I think there can be. And, and I think sometimes if you go through life on an ungrateful path, karma catches up with you at some point and says, okay, well, this is the flip side of it. I'd love your read on that. Well, I think I'm a walking case in point, frankly, because when I was growing up, I had poor vision at night. My eyesight at night was very poor, and I was not grateful for the eyesight that I had during the day that allowed me to play sports, you know, to play soccer, to play football, to play basketball, to drive a car, to ride jet skis, to ride motorcycles. I had a, a very active lifestyle during the day, but I always had poor eyesight at night. And I was bitter about that. I wasn't grateful for the eyesight I had during the day. And guess what? My early 20s? I didn't have to worry about that anymore. It disappeared. <laughs> I couldn't see yeah. during the day either. And I'm like, oh, wait, this isn't good. You know, if you've got poor eyesight at night and during the day, you're blind, right? And that's what I figured out. <laughs> it can always be worse. No matter how bad you think it is, it can mm -hmm. always be worse. So I totally agree with everything you just said, Greg. And I, you know, I, I've lived it. I've observed it. I've seen it in my own life. I went from not being appreciative and feeling like a victim and not being grateful for something that I had and then seeing that taken away, which is why I'm so passionate about making sure my kids, my family, don't make the same mistake that I made at an early age. I love that. Patrick, I mean, that reminds me so much of you. When you and I first met and we started working together, mm -hmm. um, you had eyesight um, you know, limited. And then over the years, it just kind of started going away with various operations and things that you were having to go through. Did you have a gratitude for, for what you had when you had it? No. No. I think my, my mentality is so I'm in the fight, and I just don't, at the time, didn't realize what I had, right? I didn't realize that being like the joy of being able to walk down the street without having to hold someone's elbow or use a cane um, was was a gift, right? And now I look back and I, listen, I'm not a look in the rearview mirror guy, right? I'm always a solution look forward guy. But what I've learned is as I get older is how grateful I am for what I do have today, right? And I think Chad, what you said about visiting, you know, when you were getting your dog, I mean, how freaking powerful is that, right? Like I, I go to AA meetings or I, I do things like that and I sit around and I listen to people's lives and I walk out of there grateful as shit that I stayed sober yeah. for 36 years and that I didn't 
lose my family. I didn't get drunk driving. I didn't crash a car, kill someone, end up in rehab. Begin, you know, all the things that I hear around those tables, and I walk out of there. That's my version of what you go through, what you went through yep. at, the, at the with the blind version. And yep. I come home and I'm freaking grateful um, that I've been able to be blessed in my life and and surround myself with with good people and and just keep working hard. Um, Chad, before before we get to, I mean, I know, I know we're you know, we're not over, we're not out of time, but I would love to have you give the the listeners what are you doing today? I mean, I, your book is really I love, and we'll put your book in the show notes. I think you know, Blind Ambition is a great story, and I also want to thank you because you there's a guy that I mentor in Arizona, a guy named Andy, who losing his vision to RP, and I told him about you, and Chad, you graciously uh, took a call from him, and uh, I sent him your book. And uh, he was blown away that you gave him the time and, and conversation because he was right in the middle of it, Chad. He was in that middle phase of not having to use a cane yet. And uh, now his vision's almost gone. Hardest phase is when you're, you're half blind and half sighted, right? Yeah. Which group are you in? And you don't really see yourself as disabled yet. You've got to really lean into this new self-identity, which is a really, I mean, it's a lot easier to be fully blind than it is to be half-sided, yeah. frankly. It, I mean, listen, I, 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 I thank you for that because it meant a lot to him in his journey. Um, yeah, but but yeah. tell me, I mean, I would love to have, I mean, obviously people need to know your backstory in terms of what you've done. Um, we should open with this, but we just kind of got right into it. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you did in terms of building software, what you're currently doing at Red Hat. Um, and it just, it's an impressive story, right? Because most blind guys don't write code. <laughs> most most right. sighted people don't write code. So right. tell us a little bit about what you did when you went to Harvard and your keynote speak and your keynote speech. And then um, that, I think the audience would love to hear that. So I'll try to keep it curt. I'll do a quick thumbnail. So I went blind in college at the University of Tennessee. I was roughly 21 years old when that happened. It was a process, a few years. Ended up getting my guide dog at 23. Had to relearn how to learn. Went from being a very visual learner to being blind. Obviously, it's not very helpful being a visual learner when you're blind. So I had to relearn how to learn. Turns out I was a better blind student than sighted student. Ended up making straight A's from that point forward. Made the dean's list and went on to work for a top consulting firm at a college. And so from there, worked in the consulting industry for Anderson Consulting, now known as Accenture. Ended up pivoting, went to a work for a commercial outsourcing company, did market intelligence there, got into financial modeling or the pricing of these large multi-billion dollar technology outsourcing deals. So we did, you know, very large infrastructure and applications outsourcing deals. And so I spent my career in tech and then from there went to work in the federal space. I was living in Northern Virginia at the time. And then I started leading pricing strategy and solutions. I got several promotions, was senior director of our pricing strategy and solutions group at SRA International, where I led sort of top-down and bottoms-up analyses of how do we win these large multi-billion dollar programs, was really successful there, brought in over $45 billion in contracts. My company said, hey, that's great. Thank you for all the, the business you brought us. What can we do for you? For some crazy reason, I said, hey, send me to Harvard. And for some crazier reason, they said, okay. So they agreed to send me to Harvard. And I was the first blind executive to go to the program that I went to. Along that journey, you know, I, I did teach myself how to write code to, to program my screen reading software, JAWS. So I did that starting out of college. I was a business management major. I was a pre-med major, but ended up having to learn how to write code for my job as a consultant and then ended up doing that for myself. Did that as well, you know, did it for myself on a, on a consulting basis, uh, ended up writing code to make a customer relationship management system accessible for a former colleague friend of mine who, uh, who worked at Anderson Consulting. And uh, that actually turned into something interesting. It was a piece of software that Oracle owned. They didn't think it was possible to make it accessible to the blind, I ended up, I had already made it accessible, so I ended up getting a lot of referral business from Oracle at that point. In fact, I was even asked to testify in a litigation case that was brought against a, a different employer because they were saying that it was not possible to make it accessible. So I was sort of the subject matter expert, the only person in the world at the time 
who was known to be able to make it work with their piece of CRM software. And so I did that as well, kind of as a hobby, did it professionally too, for a little while, that was a hobby. And it was, it was interesting because, you know, when you're writing code to, to program software without being able to see your computer screen, you get into the financial modeling that I had to do for the pricing and strategy work that I was doing in my day job. You know, if you can build software with your eyes closed, it's pretty easy to build a financial model, right? And so I was really good at the financial modeling piece and the strategy because I understood the technology that we were selling and how to position price it and um, actually execute and make money on that. And that sort of led me, as I said, you know, to Harvard. And then it was there when I was at Harvard going to their leadership program where we were studying authentic leadership, but I was learning from Bill George, who was an executive fellow there at Harvard and was former chair and CEO of Medtronic. And we're talking about how to discover your true north and everybody's kind of grappling with what their true north could be based on his framework and methodology. When mine just really kind of reached up and smacked me in the mouth, you know, like I hadn't done anything at all with my personal story ever. I'd always just kind of seen my story is normal because it's my normal. I get up, you know, every day with me and it's yeah. the same, same thing every day. There's nothing extraordinary about my life because it's my life. You know, it's not unusual mm -hmm. at all. I was just doing what I had to do to get to my next goal. But then it occurred to me that I could possibly be doing more because from time to time, you know, people would tell me that I'd inspired them. And I never really took that seriously because I was just trying to get to my next goal in life. And so in that moment at Harvard, I ended up deciding, you know what, I should try and do something with that. Then I was elected to speak at our graduation there, and I gave a little 12-minute talk that that affected people in a way that I, I didn't anticipate. It affected me in a way that I honestly could have never anticipated. There was a gentleman in my class, I'll never forget, he comes up to me afterwards, and he, he breaks down, he's crying in my arms, and I come to find out that this guy had, had lost his child the year before to cancer. And Look, I'm not a real soft and fuzzy person, that's just not how I'm wired, but when you have a parent you know, affected in that kind of way over that kind of loss, it, it changes you. And that, that moment changed me and it helped me realize that I needed to do something with the gift of, of blindness. You know, this beautiful gift that I've been given that came in some really ugly wrapping paper. And I didn't want the gift. I didn't want to accept the gift. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that I'd been offered, invited to use it to help other people. And the funny thing was, according to, to Bill George and, and my own experience, too, when you use your life's greatest struggle as an opportunity and you can reframe that into a way to help other people, you know, I found that it makes going blind worth it, which is kind of a weird thing to say. But since then, you know, I've started giving keynote presentations, launching a speaking business, and that's what led to the book Blind Ambition. And so it really is this, this, um, this interesting pivot of taking something that has been a struggle, you know, it's been a real struggle. And I saw it as a, as a loss. And again, I was a victim initially. And now I feel like today I'm actually successful because of my blindness. Of, I really believe yeah. that I would be less successful if I could still see. Because all of the things that I had to face going blind, it forced me to improve my perspective and my focus and my effort and my determination. You know, I needed a, lo a lot to help me bounce back from all of that adversity. And, you know, so that sort of led me to where I'm at today. So I, I really kind of appreciate it a lot more than I did initially as you're going through the eye of the storm, you know, it's really hard to step back and, and have that perspective, but that's, and now obviously I'm focused on helping people uh, kind of paying it forward, moving beyond myself and helping people, whether that's giving a keynote or leading a workshop or doing a podcast or doing one-on-one -on -one coaching or however I can pay it forward. Cause I've sort of realized that, you know what, me and my family and my career, it's all going to be fine. But at the end of the day, what really matters is paying it forward and trying to move beyond myself so that I can have as much impact as possible with others. There's so much of what you say that inspires me, right? And it it allows me to look at my life. And I I have so many similar takes on life that, that you have, Chad, in that, you know, listen, without my blindness, I wouldn't have the wife I'm married to. I wouldn't have so many things that I have, right? My focus, my determination. So I, I take that massive negative, right? That massive thing that I've cried about, that I've been so angry about, that I punch walls and I've turned it into what defines me. And uh, I told that kid that you meant, that you spoke to, that I mentor, I said, Andy, use the cane, wear it with pride. People respect it and, uh, yeah. and laugh at yourself, right? But at the end of the day, 
this ain't going away, man. So, you know, be grateful for what you have. You got a beautiful family, two gorgeous kids. I come from that. But a lot of times people are in their own sorrow, right? What do you tell people, Chad, that are in their own sorrow and they don't have the same gratitude that you got from going to, you know, when you got your eye dog or, or what I went through when I go to meetings or what do you tell people when they're in their own sorrow? It's normal. It's normal to have those emotions. It's normal to have up days and to have down days and, and to be caught up in that. But there's a fine line between having normal human emotions to a situation that you didn't ask for and ruminating in an unproductive way. I think at the end of the day, people have to ask themselves, how long am I going to let this situation continue to victimize me? How long am I going to let this situation continue to control me and put a time limit on it? And, you know, after, after so many weeks, months, years, you've got to ask yourself, you know, am, am I, is this helping me? Is this rumination, mm -hmm. is it taking me to where I want to go? Do I want to be in this place? Is there a better story that I can start telling myself? How can I make blind look good? Yeah, yeah. And I say that, <laughs> and it sounds a little funny, right? But, no, but no. guess what? Guess what? If you can't visualize how mm -hmm. you can make your circumstances look good, whether yep. it's blindness or getting fired or cancer or whatever, mm -hmm. if you can never reimagine how yep. you can make that situation look good, you're going to continue to be a victim and you're not oh, going to yeah. move towards acceptance of that situation. Yeah. So I say it a little tongue in cheek because it's funny to mm -hmm. hear make blind look good, but it's <laughs> real. And you've got to visualize greatness in your circumstances. And some of those circumstances are unpalatable, right? I, you told me this like visual, you know, how do you make blind look good when I was 25? I told you to go oh. pound sand, right? It's like, right. I, I cannot imagine how to do that. But it's a good well, mental when I'm exercise. In, when, I'm, when I'm walking in female restrooms, I mean, you know, because I can't find the door or, I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you one funny, Greg, this will make Greg, this will make Greg laugh. But, and then, and then I know we're getting out of time, but, and I want to let Greg sort of jump in, but we were at a, you know, Greg and I, uh, I cold called, this is our story. So Dr. Greg is running one of the largest media campaigns in the country, Chad. He, he's overseeing millions, tens of millions of dollars a month in media. He's one of the most successful marketers in the country on the cover of Response Magazine, Dr. Greg is. Mm. And I get his name from one of the reps at in LA. I said, who's buying this media? And they said, well, one of the founders is actually buying the radio. And I said, it's a, it's a 20 or $30 million radio campaign. Rush Limbaugh, everybody's reading for this campaign. So I get his number. I cold call him. He picks up the phone and I, I do my pitch. I have an idea. I have an angle. Now, granted, Chad, I'm on disability, right? And uh, I, I basically pitch him and I somehow, and I'll let Greg take it, but that's, I'm the first agency he's ever taken a meeting with. We went and met for coffee. I gave him, I brought an idea to him and I had my gal drive me up, met him for coffee and I walked out with a deal. I started buying Dr. Greg's radio locally with three people that grew. And then when that company went into retail, Dr. Greg and I said, let's work more together. And Greg and I built the largest audio radio agency in the country, um, representing some of the largest talents and some of the largest campaigns in the country. But Greg never once said, I'm going to give you a pass because you're blind. I'm going to like, I just, he just expected me to do what I did. Right. And that was drive new business, create strategy and build a company. Um, yep. and, and Greg, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but I mean, you're talking to two probably high energy blind guys you'll ever talk to, but, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I have so much respect for Chad and I haven't even gotten into your down. I mean, you're a badass, Chad. I haven't even gotten into your downhill skiing or anything else that, that, um, that you do. Brazilian jujitsu. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm hooked. But, I'm hooked. But being might a dad. Have to get you out on the mountain. Might have to get you oh, out dude, on the mountain I'll, this year. I'll, I'll, dude, I'll, I'll, listen, I have no problem. Um, <laughs> but Greg, any, any parting thoughts for Chad? And um, so this has been one of the most, I don't know, gratifying interviews because it, it speaks to what I, I preach, but it also speaks to so many people looking at this and hearing this and saying, 
shit, how, how, how long can I sit in my misery? How long can I be a victim? And uh, how do you flip the script the next day and make it better? Mm. Yeah, this is great. I, I've been sitting here listening to you too, and it's been powerful for me. And, and the reason, you know, Patrick, one of the reasons that I was um, really, really so enamored with what you could do was because you have been through a shit storm. And as I'm reading about Chad and learning more and more about him, you, you've been through a shit storm. I, I don't understand or relate to people who haven't had horrible blind spot areas of their life that has just reshaped and redefined because these are the people who have, who have come around and they have figured it out. And these are the smartest uh, people that you can choose to work with because they are innovators, right? And they have reinvented themselves and they know how to get things done. And, and, and you guys are both kind of the epitome of that. And as I'm reading about you, Chad, I'm, I'm looking at things. And one of the, I, I wanted to kind of get in your head here. It's a scary place. I know. <laughs> because, because, because I'm, <laughs> I, I can tell, man, that there, there were monsters roaming around, right? But, um, <laughs> yeah, but you have, you have tamed the dragons. And I think that's such a powerful thing for people to understand. Um, what I loved most about what, what I read about you and your, in your perspective on is happiness. And it's, it's, you touched on it a little bit earlier, and I've got to hear a little bit more from you on this because you you believe happiness is a choice. I believe it all it also is a choice. But people, especially in the midst of a blind spot in their life where everything is just turned you know to poop, they don't know how to find happiness or what it, what that even means. So if you would, you know, visualize the people who are listening to this who are going through a divorce or they got fired or they're not able to pay their bills or looking at a recession and realizing their retirement age and what's going to happen to my income. How, how do you seek happiness in those times? Well, first of all, I think it's, it's important to clear up what happiness is not. I don't believe happiness is a feeling. Happiness is not a feeling. And I don't believe it's an emotion. It is a decision that we choose to make, and it's tied to our perspective. It's tied to the amount of fulfillment. Now, I think when most people think of happiness, maybe they're thinking of the feeling of joy that they get, you know, the hit of the, the chemical reaction in the body that comes from, you know, a, a promotion or whatever the case may be. I think happiness to me is much more nuanced and complex than that. I think those feelings are good, but those feelings come and go. And so if you're relying on just good fortune coming your way to be happy, you are putting your life's happiness precariously outside of your control. Why would anybody want something so important to their existence on this planet outside of their control, subject to the whims of circumstance that life throws at us? So I just feel like, you know what, I can't control what happens to me. None of us can, no matter how hard we try, but all of us can control how we choose to navigate that situation, how we choose to respond. And you know what? There's a lot of liberty and freedom in this epiphany that happened to me at the age of 23 years old. And that is, you know what? I get to choose my response. And so do your listeners. Everybody gets to choose how they respond. And so things aren't always going to go your way, but I don't think that's what happiness is about. What fun would life be what growth would anyone experience if life always went their way? They never faced an obstacle. Mm. They never had any adversity. They were never forced to get out of their comfort zone. And so they never experienced any growth. Life would suck. I'll be honest mm -hmm. with you. I'm, I'm not a, that's not an existence that I would want. I want a life that gives me the opportunity to learn and to grow and to get out of my comfort zone. And that's where growth takes place. And that's where you can take pride in your ability to navigate situations. And that's where I think something deeper and more meaningful comes in. And that is having fulfillment, right? To me, there's the dopamine of joy. And then there is the fulfillment of navigating a situation that you were unsure about. And you realize that you're capable of more than you've been giving yourself credit for. And I think all of us are capable of more than we give ourselves credit for so instead of looking at happiness as this feeling or this emotion, you know what, it's this, it's this complex stream, I think, of 
taking pride in what you do, having fulfilling work, having a purpose in life, having some successes, some failures, but at the end of the day, continuing to grow day by day and leaving this world just a little bit better than we found it. Hmm. You know, I, I love that. I think one of the things that, that you're saying kind of flips over to a lot of, the, of what I've ascribed to as a therapist, which is um, we're always looking for significance. And, and people look for it in counterfeit ways. I mean, it's like, you know, what's my social media say? How many followers do I have? How many likes did I get for this? How many people looked at the meal that I posted, you know, and, and not realizing nobody cares and it doesn't matter one lick. But what you're, what you're saying and what I really want people to hear is it doesn't matter what situation you were dealt here. What, what you're talking about is finding a place to, of meaning and I use the word meaningful, doing meaningful things in your life that change people's lives for better, or finding a way that you're significant, because you're significant when you're improving not only your life, but you're improving the lives of those you love around you and other people, like calling the guy in, in Phoenix and, and taking the time to improve his life. It's a blessing to him. There's no question about it. But Chad, it was a blessing. It was a bigger blessing to you. And you figured that Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Right. And so, so what is the the things that you can't, you can't put a price on that, right? The fulfillment and meaning that you get out of your life. At the end of the day, none of us are taking any of this with us, whether it's money, job Mm -hmm. titles, uh, yeah, the prestige you talk about on social media, everybody else's opinion of us, right? Everybody's so worried about what other people think, you know, what really matters is what do you think of yourself, you know, and whether or not you can see, what do you, what do you feel when you look at yourself in the mirror? How do you sleep at night? Yeah. How do you feel about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? I think we live in a world of social media where everybody's comparing themselves to other people. And that, I think, is a toxic way to live. The only person we should be comparing ourselves with is the person who we were yesterday. Right? Are we a better person today than we were yesterday? That's the real comparison. If we continue to evolve and continue to grow and we're trying our best to have an impact beyond ourselves. I think that to me is where enrichment takes place. So good. Yeah, and I'll and I'll sort of I'll sort of leave you with this thought because a lot of the people that we have chosen to talk to on this podcast, um, the one thing that I keep searching for is the wisdom in in what they know and what they're sharing. Um, you're all over this. Um, and and as I'm listening to you, I'm filing you away and this is a compliment by the way. It's not like I'm trying to shrink your brain. But I'm but I'm filing you. Yeah, I'm kind of shrinking your brain a little bit. Just then at the beginning of the call, it was going to happen. Just, yeah. well, you know, it's going to happen. Just, no, no. Just, we're going to we're going yeah. to we're going to get a copay too out of you, Chad, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> how is your insurance, Chad, by the way, while we're talking about this? It's very um, good, but I think I, yeah, I've already met my deductible, so we're <laughs> and, and that, that's great. By the way, I think I think counseling is a great thing for most people, but I think that you have three very clear spiritual gifts here. And whether, you know, whether our Christian listeners like myself and Patrick want to go, look, it's a spiritual gift, comes out of three books of the Bible, it's easy to find. Or, or people want to go, wow, that's just wisdom. You know, what, what do you call that? The three gifts you have are teaching, encouragement, and wisdom. They're out of the, they're out of the Bible. They're very clear in you. They're powerful. They are probably, encouragement is probably the most powerful spiritual gift I know of wisdom being right there with it and teaching is a clear one for you. I mean, that that's a no brainer. You're there. Um, but boy, the more you use those three gifts, the more powerful your life will become. I just want to encourage you to do that. Like I said, it makes going blind worth it, which is a bizarre thought or thing to say, <laughs> who would have thought that, you know, when I was 23 years old going through the storm, but it, you're right. It is powerful because all of a sudden the focus isn't on you. It's on somebody else and the impact you can have on others. And you just, you can't put a price on that. There, like there's no amount of money that can create the feeling that you get when you're you're genuinely helping another person because you just genuinely want to help. Chad, thank yep. you, man. Um, and again, you know, Blind Ambition is the book. Um, I grabbed it on Audible. It's an amazing listen. Um, or pick it up in your bookstore. But net... Net, net, Chad, and I always say that when I wrap up meetings. I so appreciate you and what you're doing to motivate and inspire. And, uh, you know, keep up the great work, man. Um, thank you. Thank you for your time today. It's been today. a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Enjoyed it, as always, man. That was 
a really cool interview. I love having guys like that. A, I connect with them, Greg, so much because of the blindness. Obviously, it's a huge, a huge similarity. But he he makes me, um, he makes me a little bit scared in terms of trying to get out and do more stuff. Which, you know, everything he's done is is remarkable. Uh, anything you got out of that interview that you can share with uh, with our listeners? Because oh, yeah, feel like there's, there's some good stuff. Yeah, 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 tons and. And I think the first thing I want you to talk about is something you said mm-hmm. um, in, in relationship with what Chad was saying. And this was really fascinating to me. And maybe I'm overdoing mm-hmm. a shrink thing here, but this was really yep. interesting. Yep. He said, in fact, you said um, that he's just not a, another blind guy who has taken disability and sat on the couch. And I thought yep. that was a, a powerful statement and, and only a statement that can be made by one blind guy to another, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, think about that for a second, right? I mean, if I said that, it's like... Right, right, um, right, right. Uh, right. You're canceled. You're canceled. Yeah, the, the line of canceled people was out, out the door. Um, but I thought, what a powerful statement for you to make. And I'm curious from your point of view, what's the thinking process? Why do some people who get hit and blindsided by things like 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 a disability, like blindness, right, right. why do some of them end up on the sidelines and, and on disability and not doing uh, what they want to be doing in their lives versus other people that let it fuel them? I think it's fear. I think it's fear. And I think it's also shame. And I think we, you and I can do a podcast on this because one thing I, I've, I've seen even with family members and just friends, right? When, uh, whether it's addiction or whether it's disability, people hide in the shadows, right? They just stay in their house when they're blind. You know, schizophrenia is one of the, one of the, one of the larger diagnoses of blind people because they get scared. They can't see what's going on around them. So I feel like as soon as I put my cane out and I actually used my cane in public and I brought light to my blindness, it, I became proud of it. And then I became into the, okay, so what do I do now, right? What's next? How do I, how do I get to the next thing? Um, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's fear. Fear puts people on the couch. And, uh, you know, listen, there's always lazy, right? There just is. <laughs> you, can't, you, yeah. can't, you can't get out of lazy. But for those that aren't lazy, and a lot of people aren't, right? They just are scared. So that, that's my, that's where I think the difference is, is Chad's embraced it and has said point blank, I'm a better person because I'm blind. And I think I'm a better person because I'm blind. Um, so those are, I think that, that, that's the big one that comes to mind. That's interesting. And it plays into kind of my second takeaway is Chad said that we can all find legitimate reasons to fail. And I, I mean, let that sink in just for a second. We can all find legitimate reasons to fail. And from a psychological mm. perspective, um, he called out rationalizing, and I thought this was really strong and something that um, sighted or, or unsighted, blindsided mm-hmm. or not blindsided, we all need to understand how we rationalize things in our lives. Um, for instance, like when we fail, we look for people to blame. Sure. We, we create reasons we failed, and that goes for yeah. 90% of us. Like my dad, right? My dad was 80. He got into a minor car accident, and he blamed the other car that was parked at the time. <laughs> right? Parked? He went, yeah, it was parked. It wasn't even a person in it. Right, right, right. right but somehow right, right, it jumped right. out at him. And, you know, and so, I, I mean, being an ex-cop, I'm just kind of, just kind of looking at him. It's like, Dad, the car yeah. was parked, you know. Right. And it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. They don't tend to move spontaneously like that, you know. But he wouldn't give it up because you right. know, he would, he had to find something to somebody to blame for this because he couldn't yeah. take responsibility. And at earlier times in my life, when I lost a job or a book deal fell through, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. it was everybody else's fault. You know, sure. they don't get me. Sure. Um, they're idiots. Um, they couldn't yep. understand what yep. I was trying to say. You know, mm-hmm. and so what I took away from what Chad was talking about is we have to own our failures and we have to embrace our failures because they are key. Yeah. I mean, sure. our failures, if we're being honest with ourselves, um, they're part of our accurate self image. I mean, we're all bent on this positive self esteem BS. Yep. And yep. we're all yep. we're all just a, a a classic dump of mess, right? Yeah. Some of us are mm-hmm. messier than others, but we're all a mess. And so what I heard him saying and what I want to echo is having a, an accurate self-esteem is so much more productive in life than having, um, you know, a good self-image. Just, you know, know who you are, embrace who you are, huh. failings yeah. at all, and learn from them. Totally. I mean, if you can, I mean, I think failure, you learn more from failure than you do success. Um, it doesn't feel good, 
but it, it, to your point, right? It, it's human. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So then my third takeaway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is on, mm-hmm. he, he talked about happiness and I love this topic. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said, happiness is not a feeling. I'll disagree with him. And I, and I believe happiness, um, is a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with happiness is it's a fleeting feeling. And what happens to us as people is we start searching for that, that happiness high. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to hit that next thing that makes me happy. And maybe, sure. um, you know, I may not be happy all day today, but I'll be happy for the next 10 minutes. So I'm going to go online yep. and go shopping or I'm going to have a drink or I'm going to, you know, chase something unproductive in my life. I'm going to go have an affair. Whatever, you know, I'm going to gamble. It's, we start to crave this happiness thing. And we, and we think that if we just go do this, that's going to make us happy. Or if we just get more of this, that's going to make us happy. And it becomes an obsession. And what I, what I think people need to start to get a, a better view of, and this is what I really liked about Chad and, and your life as well, because you get involved with, with charities and giving ministries and things that I think are, are the key. They are essential to being happy. So what I'm, right. what I'm going to get at here is if you want to figure out how to be happy, you get outside of your head. You have to get outside of your head. You, you have to find others that you can do kind things for. You have to volunteer somewhere. You have to do a random act of kindness today. You have, you have to help somebody who is deserving, um, giving a stranger some money for no apparent reason whatsoever. Yeah. It's, just, it's just how you get self-worth versus this BS self, you know, positive self-image thing. If you wanna be happy, if you want joy in your life, get out of your head, quit looking for happiness and look how to give back. So, yeah. You can't, it's so, it's so easy to say, so hard to do. And, but yes, I mean, service is a huge part of, it's a huge part of addiction and recovery. It's a huge part of, you know, ministry. It's a huge part of, you know, being selfless is I think what so many of us don't do. Um, That's a great point. I I love that. I love that. And that's what I loved about Chad Foster. I thought that he brought those three really powerful things to to our conversation today. And they're things that everybody can learn from. And that's what I love about the podcast. We all get blindsided, you know, at at some point in our life. And if you can just figure out how to use those to power you like you have, like I have in areas of my life, like Chad talked about, um, that that's where the value in life comes in. No question. Dr. G, uh, insanely insightful as always uh thanks for a great show uh looking forward to many more thank you likewise all right buddy special thanks to chad foster for his participation in this episode patrick lennon and dr greg cinnamon would also like to thank craig kitchen for his assistance with this podcast blind spot is a production of roi media 360